What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raise the Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. This week, we talk all about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. All right, Don, what is going on? Feels like it's been forever since I got to talk with my friend. What's up, man? Chris, what is happening today? My friend, yes, it's been, feels like it has been a little while, even though we just did our last episode last week, but uh, there's been some stuff going on, just like busy lives, busy stuff. I know you've been, uh, you had a little trip to Oklahoma uh, for a few days, Yep, getting some friends, right? How was that? It was good. Had a good time. Hung out by the pool, got to drink some uh, Stone Cold IPA which I've been looking for forever, which wasn't a bad drink, wasn't a bad drink. So it was a nice uh, poolside IPA, which are rare. Not all IPAs can be sipped at the pool, but I thought this one, this one uh, fit the bill. I just want to know after every sip, did you go, give me a hell yeah. (laughs) Give me a hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I made everyone say it at the pool and yeah. Yeah. Giving everybody, everybody the middle finger wearing your vest. Yeah, your vest with no shirt and jean shorts. Yeah, I every time I walked out of the garage of the beer, I had to break a window. My buddy was so pissed; he was stop breaking my windows. I remember how exciting it used to be to hear Steve Austin the glass break. I don't know why that was so like iconic. Just that sound it like excited you as it a pumped kid. You up, man. You would hurt it, and you just you know what's about to happen. Some ass kicking, man. It was. <laughs> there wasn't anything better than that man in the 90s yeah as as an adolescent teen amped up with testosterone newly imprinted testosterone man stone cold whooping some ass that was like that was it man there wasn't anything better than that yeah dude he was the best so don i i I do gotta say i'm a little frustrated with you because you, yeah man because you made me go back and play horizon zero Dawn. <laughs> oh yeah dude can't have you beat it without me beating it as well so <laughs> i don't know yeah a little backstory we uh horizon zero dawn for those who don't know is like a playstation 4 uh exclusive game that a lot of people put up there with the likes of, you know, the best exclusive games that PlayStation has. It's reviewed really well by pretty much every outlet was. I never played it. Uh always wanted to because it looked interesting. It looked like, uh, to me, I always thought it was like PlayStation Zelda. Mm-hmm. That's just what, like, all the trailers, like, shouted out to me. Like, this is PlayStation's version of Zelda. So I was like, man, I got to try this game. And we had trouble with it at first, some of the battle systems and everything. And uh, a little weird so like i put it on the shelf for actually a long time but then with the uh previews and trailers for the sequel that's going to be on playstation 5 which now has been pushed back to next year i was like you know what i gotta give this game like it's fair shake everybody loves it i gotta know why i gotta like actually sit down and commit myself to playing this and i've been playing it and man like hours deep into that i'm like playing it every damn night <laughs> i'm like Are you? uh yeah I'm, I'm, I wish I was playing it right now. No, I'm just kidding. But, 
<laughs> it's it's like a really fun game. Yeah. But we're here to talk about the Suicide Squad. Last time we talked about Suicide Squad, Trainwreck, disaster of a movie, disaster mm-hmm. of a Joker that still gives me horrible dreams because I've been watching all the Suicide Squad's like content like analyzing it on youtube now i'm in the algorithm so i'm getting all these random suicide squad videos for about the old movie and i keep seeing all these clips of jared leto as the joker and it makes me sick makes me physically literally ill and i can't do it anymore and i just need that to all go away i need that to get washed out now the question is did james Gunn's the suicide squad do that for me Ah, we're gonna find out but first make sure you like subscribe and follow this podcast on all social media or i guess just twitter because i think that's the only social media we're on yeah follow us on twitter hit us up on all podcast uh, services we are on twitter at raised a geek if you want to join the conversation hit us up at raised a geek at gmail.com send us any questions comments concerns thoughts anecdotes anything that you want to share with us and if you leave your name and where you're writing in from you might just make the show but don we're going to talk about some suicide squad news and then jump into what we thought of the movie because obviously lots of things happened once this movie came out last weekend including we all know that it came out on hbo max as well as theaters and then coming out in theaters, it didn't do too hot in theaters, man. Yeah, what did I see? Like maybe a um, below $30 million opening. Yeah. It made $26.5 million in America. And then it made it, it made uh, 35 in 71 markets for a foreign tally of $45.7 million with a global take of $72.2 million. Yeah, see, here's the thing, though, like, hearing that, I'm not surprised, Um, but it's not just because it's the Suicide Squad, that's the kind of numbers I would expect any movie to make today, I think those numbers are pretty comparable with Black Widow and Jungle Cruise and um, Green Knight made, like, almost nothing, but it's not surprising just because of, like, the state of the world right now with, like, all the, you know, covid flaring back up and people not really going to the theaters like they used to so i think like measuring a movie by its box office numbers in this time period we're in right now isn't really a valid way to measure Mm -hmm. the movie um and you know the streaming numbers the hbo numbers came back and i know they were really good like it was like the second watched second most watched thing on hbo max like uh opening movie or something i don't know what was first like i think it was justice about... league i think snyder's yeah. justice league was number one it might have been that or i thought it maybe it could have been kong godzilla but whatever the case is mm. um it was mortal Kombat. okay mortal yeah, Kombat. it was one of those i knew it was one of those but so i mean i don't i don't really put too much stock into that um those numbers I don't know. It just doesn't seem to like ring the same way. If if a movie in 2019, if this movie opened in 2019 and it pulled those numbers, there'd be a problem. Mm-hmm. But in 2021, that's kind of like par for the course, I would say. Well, they were only expecting it to make 30. So it's not like it's that far below what they said. It's not like it came out and made eight. You yeah. know, they were they were already aiming for 30 was like what they were predicting it hitting. So, I mean, 
it got close, like whether or not what it would have done in normal times, obviously we can't tell anymore, but it just raises all these questions now of like said, what do movie releases look like here moving forward? And we're heading towards, and I saw a bunch of articles coming out about it today. I think we're moving towards Shang-Chi here in a few weeks. And what does that look like? You know, what does that premiere look like? Cause Shang-Chi is already kind of a questionable movie box office wise anyway, because it is based on a very, unknown property for the majority mm-hmm. of the public um, without it saying Marvel, no one's going to guess this is a Marvel movie. It just looks like a action martial arts flick. So, I mean, I don't even know where the interest level for Shang-Chi is now. And with them, Kevin Feige is extremely adamant that this is not going to hit Disney plus no premier access for this one. This will be strictly theater. So what is this? I mean, what is that going to look like? If Suicide Squad hit 26, is Shang-Chi going to come anywhere close to that? We'll see. I don't know. Uh, We'll see how uh, important the Marvel Studios brand is. I I guess, you know, it's kind of like time will tell. Snake Eyes, which is like a similar looking movie, like bombed Mm -hmm. at theaters. And I don't know. We'll just see what the Marvel Studios cachet, how much, you know, their, their name care, how much weight the name carries. Um, I'm personally still on the fence about if I'll even go see Shang-Chi opening weekend. Probably not. I mean, I, I may wait, have to wait it out a little bit, mm-hmm. unfortunately, just because I'm, you know, still taking in all the information like everybody else about what's going on. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I guess it's a wait and see. So now how much do you think, I mean, and this is obviously purely speculation because Suicide Squad is going to be a little bit different than Shang-Chi because Suicide Squad also had the option day one to watch it on HBO, even really a day early where Shang-Chi is not having that option. So, I mean, would Suicide Squad would have made more money Would more people when they went and saw it. It kind of comes down to that question of is putting these movies day and date on streaming hurting the box office? Well, this is all kind of, I know speculation. Yeah, speculation, and this is like the basis of the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit against Disney, like mm-hmm. saying the Disney Plus ruined her, you know, cost her her bonus money, and that's why the movie failed. Uh, it's it's a controversial subject, but um, people are standing on one side of the fence or the other. Like, if it's a good thing or a bad thing, some people want to go and see in the movies and they're going to go. Some people are really comfortable watching these things at home and are glad that, you know, they're, they've been going this route. So I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's a question that may never be answered. Well, it, it, it's crazy because it puts you, it puts movies in this category of once you get past that opening weekend, does it matter if you see it? You know, the hype leaves. You get that, you know, we, we, we want to go see something because we got that FOMO. So it's like, oh, my God, I got to go see this opening weekend because I don't want to hear about it. I got to know what happens. Everyone else is going. I got to do this. But once you get past that first weekend, you kind of feel that like, I mean, I thought about going to see Fast 9. I can rent that now here at home for 20 bucks and I still haven't done it because I'm like, yeah, it'll be $5 here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You just kind of wait it out. And once you get past that FOMO stage. Yeah. Yeah, my biggest thing is my fear of spoilers. Like, I just don't want other people telling me what happens in a movie I'm interested in seeing. That's like the biggest thing that drives me to go see these movies yeah. pretty quickly. Um, so that may play into some of my decisions, but I'm not sure. 
Yeah. Eh, we're like I said, like everybody, we're taking it all in one day at a time. But regardless of the Suicide Squad box office report, depending on how you want to look at it, WB and DC is still planning on James Gunn being a huge part of their future plans. Um, supposedly, the Peacemaker HBO Max show is going to be a big sign on how far or what they do with him. But they were extremely excited about James Gunn and what he did with the Suicide Squad. And they want him to be kind of their really seems like their godfather, their Chris Nolan, their Kevin Feige, their <laughs> whatever they want him to kind of set the tone, I guess the new Zack Snyder. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't leave out those names, Zack Snyder. It's like, the, it's like the perfect comp. The Snide Man. Um, yeah, it's, that's interesting news. Because um, one has to figure that after Guardians of the Galaxy 3, James Gunn might be like done, with, done at Marvel, I think possibly. That's what he keeps saying. Yeah, and he might have, I mean, I think he still has the holiday special. That's before, that's before it. Yeah, I think you were saying when, I, I've only heard about that from you. And I think that's this Christmas is what we were guessing. Yeah, that would be, so that would be before volume three of Guardians. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I could, so I could see something like this happening if they, if they like the tone he, he did for Suicide Squad and they, he, maybe he kind of laid out a vision that they are really into. Um, I, I heard a rumor like before this is going back to after he got fired from Marvel the first time before they brought him back. And then DC like was on the phone with him that next week, like pulling him in. Yeah. They hit him quick. They hit him quick. And they said to him like reportedly, obviously I don't know. I wasn't in the room, but, uh, they, they said to him, you know, basically you can have any project you want just like make the move, make the movie you want, whatever it is. And the thing they did bring up to him, though, was like, do you want to make Superman? Like, we'll give you Superman to do. And he said, he kind of, he turned it down and said he wasn't interested. I thought that was kind of crazy that they like took oh, their biggest goodness. character um, and basically said to him, you know, we're this big of a fan of you that here, this is our biggest franchise, our biggest character. We want you to take this guy and make him into something like use your vision on Superman but you know he wanted to go with yeah he he wanted to go with suicide squad which is cool like that's kind of like the space he likes to work in like quirky uh be underrated superheroes kind of like what he did with guardians yeah um i basically call suicide squad the suicide squad like guardians if he made guardians of the galaxy and r-rated the way he wanted to just you know balls to the wall bonkers way and that's kind of what he did but anyway yeah um i think it's cool um i i got no problem with it i i like him i like his i like his style and the way he makes movies I, it's you know it, he makes some fun movies so it's interesting news yeah yeah i'd be definitely curious to see what that means and how much does he need to take over and like i said just what does that mean for future projects we already know we have this jj abrams superman movie coming we already know that there's the Batman coming. So it's like what, as we've said multiple times, what does DC even look like? You know, we already know there's Shazam 2. We already know there's Aquaman 2. Those all have their own directors and their own godfathers. You know, you have the James Wans and the, you know, uh, who's the Batman director? Matthew Reeves. Mm-hmm. Matthew Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes Matt, Matt Reeves. Reeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I thought it sounded funny. Uh, but so, you mean, you have all of these separate like really big name accomplished great filmmakers working on these these projects already so where does james gunn fit in 
from this idea outside of just, Hey, we want you to make another movie, pick, pick what you want. And, you know, it all comes back down to what is the DC EU. You know, we have flashpoint coming. We have no idea what that movie is because they're like, Oh, we're done with Snyder, but all those people are from Snyder. So it's very confusing. (laughs) Yeah. When we get into our, the suicides talk here in a minute, I'll kind of comment on DC EU and where it stands uh from what we've seen like we can only base our opinions on what they're presenting us with mm-hmm. and just kind of the the cues from this movie there's really no answers given in this is as to where the the big picture is headed for dcu are they going full standalones or are they still trying to keep things connected you know you got um jk simmons possibly coming back as commissioner gordon in batgirl but like you want to get away from the Snyderverse, but you're still using people from Snyderverse. We've talked about this at length already before, but yeah, it's all still very confusing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it'll ever make sense. Even once we're seeing it, we still will be like, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's time for us to talk about the suicide squad. But before we do, we want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by anchor.fm. All right, Don, let's talk The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's directorial DC debut. I made that I made that quick left turn when I was about to say directorial <laughs> debut. But The Suicide Squad hit uh, theaters and HBO Max on August 5th. So that was last week. So we are now six days into the release. We've already talked about the box office. So now let's talk about the movie. Don, in as few words as possible, what would you think of The Suicide Squad? As few words as possible. Uh, Just to get that overall, like, how do you feel in your heart? How did you feel about the movie when it, when it ended? What did you think? What did you feel? What did you, you know, because we're going to deep dive on all this spoilers. If you haven't watched it, pause us, hit up by HBO Max, run out to the theaters with the handful of people that went and check it out because we are going to deep dive all of it here in about 45 seconds. But just kind of curious of what your overall thought of the movie was. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I I did enjoy myself uh, pretty much throughout. It was it was damn entertaining, man. Uh, to me, I didn't really know fully what to expect out of it. You know, we still had. Uh, I said we weren't going to talk about the old movie, but I still had a lot of those. <laughs> we yeah. just talked about it. I had a lot of thoughts in my head, <laughs> like lingering thoughts about that movie and what the differences of this one would be, but. Um, being a fan of what James Gunn was able to do with his Marvel movies, Guardians Volume 1 and 2, I kind of had some some high hopes. Um, and I say a lot of them were met. Uh, I, I didn't like love it 100%. It's not my favorite DC movie. I can talk about that later. You know, what I movies DC EU has put out that I think are better to that, better than this movie, in my opinion. But I I, I think it was a solid movie and I had fun. How about you? Yes. It um I I enjoyed the movie. I I really liked a lot about it, but I can tell you I will never watch it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um and I have those reasons and I'll get into it. There were there were definitely a lot of things that just wasn't me in this movie, just didn't do it for me. And um 
it, it made it makes this movie very confusing to me because there were things like so much stuff that I really, really liked and I liked that they did. But then there was also on the flip side, so many things that I'm just like, nope, that's that didn't do it for me. Nope, that didn't do it for me. So okay. it's it's been a very confusing movie. As I told you before, I've spent the weekend trying to figure out how is the best way to talk about this to not come across as like negative, just some negative dude, just like Man, it stinks. You know, yeah. the critic, it stinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because I don't think it stinks in any way, but I want to come across in a way where I definitely want to be true to myself and how I think about it. But at the same time, it's just, you know, every movie's not for everybody. But I really did yeah, enjoy so much that this movie had to offer. Definitely. I want to hear your opinions. And, uh, well, I mean, realistically the first thing that i need to ask you about is how did you feel Mm -hmm. about that opening i mean we literally spent the first 10 minutes of this movie watching pretty much the entire superstar cast that they have get murdered yeah (laughs) so how did how did just the initial setup and then just that opening scene before we hit the title card i mean that was that was jarring a little bit yeah, it kind of started with uh, the Michael Rooker character, who who those who know, um, he's he's like a James Gunn guy. He's been in, like, he kind of follows him around from place to place. Yeah, he's his muse. And, uh, yeah, it showed uh, him and that that side of the Suicide Squad. It was kind of them all joining forces on this plane, getting together to know each other. And, um, yeah, we saw a lot of these characters they had kind of a fun interaction on the plane all like joking and talking i thought the airplane drop scene was a nice setup compared to some other things that are like more long and drawn out Mm -hmm. i liked that it just kind of jumped right into the jumped right in and kind of um just threw you into the movie and kind of set the tone right off the bat Mm -hmm. instead of you know very long drawn out stuff that we see in a lot of these things um I thought it was fun. The, the as as far as like a lot of the characters getting off right away, um, I think that's kind of what maybe we expected to happen in this movie. Like nobody's safe. Yeah, and I found it interesting. I thought it was a fun fun way to do it. It was risky though. Yeah, it was risky, but risky as far as disappointing people, you mean? Because Yeah, you're, yeah you're just that idea that it's like, oh, I'm super pumped for Nathan Fillion to be in this movie and super pumped for Captain Boomerang and super pumped for, you know, these characters that I always want to see on the big screen and, you know, Weasel and all these things that you were ready to see how they were going to do. And then all of a sudden you watch them get shot in the face and you're like, oh, I wanted to see Pete Davidson in this movie. I thought he'd be funny. And nope, he got shot in the face. <laughs> like immediately so it was just it was jarring and i understand yeah that idea of anything can happen and doing it setting that scene up but man that was i've never seen one set up usually it's like one person will die yeah and they went balls to the wall and just killed the entire cast i think what i enjoyed about it though was i definitely wasn't expecting all those deaths like you said maybe one or two yeah but that's what was so to me good about it is the fact that it kind of blew your expectations of the movie you're going to see away pretty quick like clearly we didn't have you know harley and 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 blood sport and all the other ones you've seen in the trailers going on in this um so you kind of knew something was up when you see this team that doesn't have them in it like the only person we kind of know is rick flag yeah uh, in that opening and oh yeah and harley was there but um 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of like being surprised in movies. Like, I didn't expect Pete Davidson to go down. I thought he might have a big role. But I just thought it was cool that they kind of took that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, Nathan Fillion, I mean, he's he's kind of a, a niche guy anyway. To, yeah. Like, if you're a fan of Firefly or some of his other stuff, you'd be like, oh, that sucks. But well, uh, people who don't even know who he is probably even didn't even know who that actor behind, underneath the mask was the detachable the detachable kid yeah the detachable, the detachable kid. kid i mean wasn't a character that needed i mean he was tickling bad guys there was no yeah those arms were hilarious the yeah way no, they were that just, was like, cracking me up he was standing faces. there he was standing there <laughs> yeah. with no arms on just wiggling yeah. that was funny and then when the arms were on fire he was like screaming like ah, ah! I was like that's <laughs> that's funny man uh the michael rooker one was a little a little shocking i thought he might be featured more his character i thought he might be featured more um it was it was kind of fun that it came around like the first scene is he kills a bird with that ball and then when his head explodes a bird is the one who comes in like i was like ooh, that's karma for you buddy yep full Uh, circle he had a full circle arc just with that bird yeah but i mean the character javelin died in there uh, Mongal and a couple other like like you said weasel kind of just like fell into the water and was drowning immediately that was, that was funny that was funny um uh, i don't know yeah i i understand um you you thinking that it was risky but to me just my opinion it paid off but yeah i didn't mind the opening i thought it i mm-hmm. thought it was a solid opening i enjoyed the plane ride of them all getting i the funniest joke in that whole movie was pete davison freaking out thinking he was sitting next to a werewolf um, yeah. That got the biggest laugh out of me, and I and it pumped me up for this movie. And that opening yeah. scene really did like, okay, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Okay, um, so I thought it definitely did its its job and and roped me in in that way. Like, okay, I think this is going to be fun. So I think it yeah, did like when, when he said, "Is this a dog?" He's like, <laughs> "What kind of dog do you think this is?" Like, I don't know all the breeds. I was like, "Oh my god, that's so funny!" Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Uh... Uh, so one, one thing i one thing i did kind of notice real quick about that scene though too is um this kind of goes back to suicide squad 2016 which i said we weren't going to talk about too much but here i am talking about it yeah but uh did you kind of feel that that scene was setting it this movie as a soft sequel because when harley got on the plane she kind of knew captain boomerang mm-hmm she was like, hey, hey, boom, boomer or whatever she yeah. called him. And like her and Rick Flagg recognized each other, it seemed like. But they didn't they never talked about to- the 2016 movie. It was never brought up in any way. But they kind of like hinted at like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like this happened. These people know each other. You know, the, is that the, the kind way, of vibe you got? The way that I took that was that they were setting it up as being that whole, like, this isn't their first mission. Like, they've been doing these missions. Like, this, you know, Task Force X has been doing this. So this is their 10th, 15th, 20th mission that they've all done together. So, yeah, that you can consider the 2016 movie one of the missions that they did together. But mm-hmm. I, But even if you've never seen that or don't even know that existed, I still took that as just a thing like, my brain immediately said, oh, so they've been doing missions together where the 2016 Suicide Squad, it was like, we're setting this up for the first time. And these are the new, you know, these people don't know each other and they're doing this. I just took it as this is their like 30th mission that they've done together. And they've been knocking 10 years off of their sentences and just kind of made it seem like this is something that's been going on and established already. And I didn't, 
I didn't think of it being connected to 2016, but yeah, I can see since she pointed out the people who were in that movie, I guess while we're on the 2016, how did you feel about some of the, the actors reprising the roles? You know, Amanda Waller, you had Viola Davis, you had uh, Joel Kinnaman as, you know, as Flag. Obviously, you know, Jai Courtney was Boomerang and he got killed. You know, uh, (laughs) What's-Her-Face is Harley Quinn. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about them doing that? How do you think that they did that being different characters, but the same? Yeah, most of of the actors you just mentioned, I felt like took a step forward with each of the characters. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of them like one by one um viola davis her amanda waller i felt was a little more close to the comics in this one yeah like she was a little more brutal and like more brutal uh, she was a little more brutal and just more militant and like uh uh just villainous in the way she runs task force x like doesn't give a damn like i just felt like maybe in the 2016 one she was a little just something felt a little off about the way she ran the team. And I don't know. Um, so this one definitely felt closer to the comics. Um, I, I, as for Rick flag, I think that was a huge improvement. Like his character from that movie to this movie, I just feel like he had more of a personality. He was very one dimensional in that, that first one, just like military guy. Ooh, blah, blah. You guys will follow me. Ah, you're all I'm in love with enchantress. I'm in love with Enchantress. You guys are the, you're the villains. I'm the good guy on the team and I'm going to keep you in line. And this one right off the beginning, he felt just more like part of the team. Yeah. Like maybe over time he's accepted that this is, I'm part of the suicide squad too, just as much as any of these. Even if even, I don't have a bomb in my head. If I don't have a bomb, right. Yeah. I'm still part of it. Um, Cause even there towards the beginning, I think there was a line when somebody was like, are you guys, Oh, you're the suicide squad. And he was like, well, we find that, term degrading we're actually task force x and blah 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 and and kind of like in ensconced himself into the group a little more his look was definitely better too i liked him in the yellow t-shirt instead of just like the bland he just looked like a bland you know military soldier guy and this he just kind of his energy popped a little more um who were the other two boomerang yeah we didn't have too much harley We'll get into Harley because I want to talk about her a little more. She's her own later. thing in this movie. What's that? She's her own thing in this movie. She has her own side quests. And I mean, most yeah. of the movie is she has her own thing going on. So we'll, we'll yeah, touch on yeah. all that. Yeah, we'll touch on Harley. But uh, she definitely, you know, it's just another step in the growth of Margot Robbie, I think, as Harley Quinn. Pretty much like the face of DC movies right now, like it or not. Um, right. Yeah. So that was... I, I was a fan of all their all their um, turns, pretty much. Yeah, I was glad that those, especially those actors specifically, got the opportunity to yeah. um, do it again, get a second try. Um, the only really, I, I almost partially wonder if it would have been cool to see Will Smith get a shot as that yeah. shot again. Um, but I like Idris Elba better than Will Smith, so <laughs> um, yeah, I, that too. that that definitely made you know the badass level up a little bit higher for me than if will smith was in this um but i love joel kinnaman so i was super pumped that he got the opportunity to really shine and be Mm -hmm. a major role in this movie as opposed to in the original he was very backseat-ish 
And, Absolutely, yeah. and I like the idea that he got to really shine front and center and have some big moments in this movie, which I really enjoyed because that dude's, I don't know, he's underrated in my opinion. Yeah, most definitely. I don't even mind that he was RoboCop. You know, everyone forgets that he was RoboCop. <laughs> uh, I didn't see that movie. Dude, but I... I I enjoy that movie for whatever reason. Like, I mean, I I still love the original, obviously, but I thought that, I mean, the actors that they had in that, I mean, Michael Keaton was the bad guy. Uh, you know, like I watched it not too long ago and I was just like, man, I, the cast that they had in that movie, they had Samuel Jackson, Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton, Joel Kinnaman. I mean, they had a cast in that movie and I mean, I thought it was entertaining. I thought they told a good story. So RoboCop episode in the future. RoboCop got the trilogy. <laughs> There's four movies and a couple TV shows, so we could we can RoboCop <laughs> it up all day. Uh, so then, once we got into the movie proper, they kind of took us back in time and really met us with the Suicide Squad that we were going to follow in this movie. We realized mm-hmm. that whole opening mission was just a diversion for the this movie Suicide Squad to get onto the beach and infiltrate this island so we kind of did a lot of time jumping where they kind of jumped back and showed this team getting put together now and how they got to that beach while everyone else was being massacred so that was where we met this team which was king shark blood sport rat catcher 2 polka dot man and peacemaker yes i think that's the that five, was the five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so i thought that was a solid put together of a team overall yeah, a lot of new characters are, yeah, all new characters there. Um, each pretty unique and like, you know, B-list, C-list DC characters who James Gunn uh, found a way to get them all, put them all together for this movie. I was a, you know, I liked all the new characters pretty much. I, I can't think of too much, uh, too many issues I had with anybody. I thought they were all pretty fun. They all kind of had equal time um to kind of maybe not equal time some a little more than others but i feel like there was enough there for each character to kind of introduce them to us and let us get to know them a little bit and like make us feel something for them which is a problem i have with you know some sometimes when you do these ensemble um superhero movies people kind of get left behind and you don't ever learn about them like they want to focus on one person way more than the other guy and then whatever happens to them you don't care because you don't know them enough i feel like there was enough here to just make you care so i think you know and that's the thing james gunn did with guardians of the galaxy too a bunch of characters we didn't know but he makes you care about them in a you know in a two-hour movie and i think he's just really good at that you know i agree and by the end yeah you started with who are these characters and this is weird but by the end, yeah, you genuinely cared for pretty much all of those characters, I thought. So they put together a, a solid team and they took enough time to wrap it all together. I guess the big question I would ask you is uh, John Cena. How do you feel about, I mean, he had ended up having a major role in this movie, kind of a lot more than I thought he was going to. Mm-hmm. And uh, so did he win you over? Is he now your your number one wrestler turned actor? <laughs> uh no that still goes to Dwayne Johnson yeah. uh maybe I don't know I don't know what I'm talking about but uh no he was fun man he was fun in this movie uh he was funny he's just a funny he's a funny dude that's just the stuff I've seen him in he yeah. he has good comedic timing already uh some a lot some of these wrestlers when they do go on to do movies like don't have that but you can just tell the guys who are like naturally good at it um 
Yeah, he was he a fun charisma. Dude. Yeah, he's he's definitely a charismatic dude, similar to you know Dave Batista, his turn in Guardians, and then the stuff he's gone on to do. He's like a legit Hollywood guy now. Uh, John Cena, you know, I didn't watch Fast Nine, and I never will, but I've seen <laughs> him in a, I've seen him in a couple other things, and he's you know he's funny. He's 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 just. I feel like a naturally talented guy when it comes to acting. So, um, you know, he's not going to win any Oscars anytime soon, but he was a good fit in this movie. I, I liked the Peacemaker character a lot. Yeah, this was a good spot for him. I think he works really well in ensembles. I think he works really well with a little bit of comedy. As of right now, I don't see the full on like drama turn for him, um, but I thought he did a good job with this role. I was entertained watching him even when he made his turn towards the end it was like okay here you go yeah. here you go you're doing your thing he stayed true to his character which was good yeah you can see why james gunn wanted to do a peacemaker series with him because that's supposed can... to be animated no it's live action oh i thought that was animated no no it's going to be a show and it's i don't think it's going to be very long till it comes out too it's going to be coming up around the corner but uh yeah he was fun like i'll tell you one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie was the scene with um, Bloodsport and Peacemaker, like trying to one up each other. Their dick measuring people. contest. <laughs> that was like the fun, one of the funnest scenes in the whole movie, dude. Mm-hmm. When <laughs> it's not supposed to be funny when it happened, but when like John Cena with that axe was walking up that guy and just like <laughs> casually chopping him up, I like was cracking up. I was like, that's not supposed to be funny, but it's hilarious to me. Like <laughs> he just massacred that man, but just so casually chopped him up. Uh, and then they were just trying to find better ways to kill uh, kill people and who could do it better. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and then they'll. And they even foreshadowed the end there a little bit in that one, talking about bigger bullets and smaller bullets and stuff. So it was it was it was nicely layered in there. Um, I guess I guess ultimately it's a good place to kind of talk about it. Where one of my issues almost stemmed from this movie, and it's just something I don't even know why I've struggled with it for this movie because I know I haven't had a problem with it in other times. But then it might need be even though I said I wouldn't watch it again, I might have to. One of the things that threw me off was that so much of the comedy stemmed from murder. Okay. And I, for some reason, it just became throughout the course of the movie a lot where I was expecting more like guardians, like one liners and that opening scene, you kind of had these one liners mixed with the violence. And I was like, okay, this is fun. And then it like, once you kind of hit that scene, you watch that scene, you're like, okay. But then it was like every scene after that, it was like all of the comedy kind of stemmed from, murdering somebody (laughs) and it was kind of like okay i want some like you know like deadpool you watch and yeah there's a bunch of jokes while they're violent jokes but then he has tons of one-liners and quips and like other things that are funny and this one for some reason to me just felt like it was just over the top violent to try to be funny Mm -hmm. and by the end of the movie i was kind of just like jaded on it but okay. that's me and the look that you're giving me the three people i've brought this up already for have all looked at me like okay and slant-eyed me like the uh the little dog on the simpsons was <laughs> no oh, i know i know what you're saying um the I, the violence I struggled with it for some reason and i don't know why and that's been my thing is i've had a hard time putting my finger on it because like i said i enjoyed it and i've enjoyed other movies when they do it but it's just weird watching harley quinn like murder 1500 people in a hallway 
while they're playing sparklies and fun music. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be having fun right now, but I can't stop thinking about the fact that she just like busted that guy's head open and broke his arm. And she's just like murdering all of these people. But the music is supposed to make me feel like I'm having fun. And I get confused by that. <laughs> so then it's okay. like, it's, it becomes a thing where I start focusing too heavy and it could just be me looking inward too much. And Well, here, here's my question to you. Like, do you, I mean, we, we talk a lot about stuff like this, but like, do you enjoy violence in your entertainment? Like, do you like violent movies, but they, then they're not comedic about it. Like a movie, like, let's say, you know, yeah, I'll watch John wick all day. Okay. But you, you, so you like that. You, you enjoy that violence you see in that, but just because they're not making comedy out of it that's a different yeah, because, kind of enjoyment to you because coming back to james gunn i didn't ever i didn't i never really liked the scene in guardians 2 where mondo walks through that ship and murders 100 people with his arrow while they're playing fun funky music so i'm just kind of like okay i get what they're doing but that scene went on too long and then it was just kind of like he's murdering a lot of people and i understand they're bad guys and yeah you know it's easy to i understand oh you know, we put a faceless army on them and we can do that but still it was just like i'm supposed to be entertained about him murdering people <laughs> and that once that gets in my head so it's, it all just depends on the style and james gunn after watching this made me realize okay this is his thing and i don't know if i enjoy that or not but like i said i can watch it and i can okay i understand it's it's very confusing for me and it's been it was been my struggle with the suicide this movie in mm. general because so much of it like i was supposed to be having fun with the violence and then that's just kind of jarring to me Okay. I don't know if that makes any sense. I know everybody turned off the podcast. Right? <laughs> this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. No, no, no. Everybody yeah. has their opinions. You, you get yours. Um, I, I kind of understand what you're saying, but I maybe, I maybe I just look at it from a different way because I just kind of ha- knew that this was what this was going to be. Yeah. Like I knew I kind of could see you know i've seen james gunn's humor in those other movies and then all of a sudden you give him an r rating um like basically a blank check to do whatever he wants so i kind of knew he was just gonna do a he was gonna make a comic book movie which this movie super felt like i was reading a comic book the whole time but like an r rated like it's got the dc on it but it's not gonna be a superman or a batman it's gonna be a you know kind of a bloodbath kind of a thing like some of the stuff in here did make me cringe a little bit with some of the stuff they did like you know seeing people's faces underneath starro's stars like bloody face and like stuff like that and um a scene later where a character we'll talk about it gets stabbed in the heart and they go like into the like a, a oh, yeah. scene of his heart being stabbed i'm like ah that's that's a little ew, you know one of those kind of things yeah. I'm not laughing at that. You know, that's right. not a funny part to me. No. But uh, I, I guess my point is I'm kind of just, I kind of knew that that's what I was going to see and I had prepared myself for it. And I just don't, I guess I just don't have that same kind of reaction. Yeah. Um, you know, the Deadpool movies like you just brought up have similar thoughts and maybe they're carried out in a different way. But, you know, it's a dude getting his head blown up and then someone making a joke about it. Yeah, I guess, I'm, you know, no, I understand. And that's where I've struggled because I, there are times when I enjoy it. So I've tried to figure out what my problem is with James Gunn doing it. 
because okay. it, it has to do with him more so. And I don't know why I have no reason, but even watching the trailers, I could tell that that's what this movie was going to be. And realistically under most circumstances, if this was normal circumstances. If we weren't doing a podcast, if the movie just came out in theaters, I would have, I would not have seen it because I knew that that's what it was going to be. And I wasn't interested in it. So, but I don't know why there's no pinpointing in it. It's just this weird thing. So it's been this weird push and pull for the past, like five days since I've watched this movie going, did I like it? Which I know there's so much I did like. And like I said, pretty much everything else that we're going to say after this has all been like that. But that was just, that's just a me thing. And it's just kind of how I felt about it. And, you know, could just, don't know why. So if anybody has, if anybody <laughs> felt similar, I'd love to talk to you. So shoot us an email, <laughs> hit us up on Twitter. I'd love to know. But yeah, so far I'm alone in it. So I'm, and I'm cool with that. Yeah, guys, validate Chris's feelings. Validate don't my leave feelings. <laughs> don't leave me hanging. Uh, uh, no, but anyway regardless done talking about that that's that topic has moved on but um i don't know where to go from that well we could talk about (laughs) (laughs) uh we we just kind of got into some of the new characters that were introduced like we talked about um who who did we just talk about we were talking about all the old characters (laughs) okay so out of the new out of the new characters out of all the new characters basically from the second squad who did you who are you kind of most drawn to like everyone kind of has their favorite so um i liked rat catcher king shark you liked rat catcher too yeah yeah, yeah, I liked wow. Ratcatcher too. I thought by the end of her, like they gave her a story, they gave her a background, they gave her um, just, I don't know, for whatever reason, by the end of the movie, I felt the most for her and just kind of felt like she either took a, took a, had a full circle or she just, I don't know, I just really liked that character. She did a good job of being sympathetic and kind of just being what the heart of the movie a little bit more because she's the one that kind of brought Bloodsport into more of a team she's the one that really tied that team together i thought and i think she was the heart of the movie ultimately and i thought she was just was wonderfully acted and i just thought she did a great job i feel terrible because i don't know the actress's name but yeah it's a hard name yeah um but i just that was my favorite character like the other ones i had fun with uh, idris elba is always a badass and i'll take him over will smith any day and even if it was an extremely 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 similar character with the exact same motivations and the exact same talents and backstory. the exact same skills and the backstory um it's still you know he was still good and i liked that i liked that they gave all those characters outside of probably king shark kind of an arc in some way even polka yeah. dot man you you got to know what drove him you got to know and he got his like satisfaction at the end as well so mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a great team but rat catcher 2 is my favorite what about you yeah um that's a good choice rat catcher 2 was fun um and the only one on the team who kind of like wasn't a villain like what was she even in jail for? They didn't yeah, say. I don't know. Like I can't imagine her. Everyone else in in that movie, you could imagine like fighting someone. Like they said, bloodshot or blood bloodshot. I just combined the two characters. Blood sport had shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. You know he's a villain. King Shark. I mean he's out here eating people. He could be fighting whoever. Um, polka dot man. I don't I don't know whose villain he is, but like rat catcher too like who's she who's she against what kind of villain is she she just kind of like had an unfortunate story and ended up in jail where she ended up for what reason like yeah she was a you know she was probably the best person in this movie Mm -hmm. as far as like human being like you could tell she cared and she cared about the rats you know 
her her powers were fun, different, unexpected, like a little, you know, if you don't like rats or rodents, if you have a fear of those, then you're going to have a hard time with this character. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, as far as for me, I really liked Bloodsport a lot um, because he took everything that Deadshot should have been and kind of like improved upon it, I think. Like you just kind of brought up, they were similar characters, but I think blood sp- blood sport. I keep wanting to say bloodshot. It's blood sport. Um, Just think they of improved- Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they improved on Deadshot in kind of every way. Um, oh, yeah. He because not to talk too much about it, but Deadshot just seemed like they wanted them all to be villains, but he was heroic the whole time. Yeah. You know, blood sport. You could tell he was like mean and he had a bad attitude and. I could totally just see him being a villain yeah. in something else in any other circumstance that wasn't the suicide squad. Um, you know, he's cussing out his daughter, he's shooting Superman, he's doing all this stuff. Like he yeah. he was much more believable um as someone who could be a villain. And like you said, Idris Elba just kills it, man. He he's he's got the badass down and he he totally pulled it off. I liked his guns um like were very cool the way he could put the guns together and like how they kind of morphed and enhanced and i like i loved his costume so out of the new characters he was fun peacemaker we already just talked about um was was cool too they were similar but uh they were yeah. exactly the same except for yeah peacemaker yeah even bloodsport made even bloodsport made that comment like he has the same powers as me i thought we were all unique uh yeah. so they were that's kind of like their rivalry going out throughout the entire movie um but yeah a lot of fun new characters james gunn has a knack for finding these characters that nobody really knows too much about only like the most hardcore comic readers even knew a lot of these characters and just kind of endears them to you um yeah so i was i was a fan of all that yeah, it was it was a great team. So let's shift over real quick to Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn was part of the first group and kind of made it to the island and then she got captured by the local government and it kind of became this thing where Task Force X was kind of given a side quest to well they decided that they were going to go rescue Harley um as on their way to Project Starfish. So you kind of had Harley off doing her own thing. So how did you feel about Harley's story? You know, because she had her whole side quest where she, you know, fell in love with the president, mm-hmm. El Presidente, and they had their whole thing. And then she ended up murdering him. And <laughs> like, yeah. she kind of had her own arc. So how did you feel about Harley being handled in this movie, having her own side quest? Um, yeah, this is Harley, to me, just in general, like I'll get into it detailed, my thoughts on it. But like, I thought she totally killed it again um she was the best part of suicide 16 birds of prey we talked about it i loved her in that and uh in this one there were some shaky parts in there a little bit i didn't i wasn't a huge fan of some of the tweaks she made with the voice i don't know if i'm the only one who noticed that but like she really got into the new york of it more this time and it kind of threw me off a little bit sometimes but uh yeah, she totally had kind of her own arc there in the middle. Towards the end of the movie, she kind of got yeah, back with she got came back around and was more with the team. But she yeah, had her own little story here in the middle. Um 
I got to say, to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of it the way it was going at first with her when she first got captured Mm -hmm. and was with the uh, army on this island, basically like the general or the king president. Was it president? Yeah. President of that island when he kind of took her in, like to kind of make her his His bride. And yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like where it was going at first because I was like, man, I don't want Harley to kind of fall into this love thing. Um, like this love story and like be with this guy kind of feels weird for her. Yeah. Like it's stepping backwards. Yeah. And that's what I kind of felt it was, but then she kills the dude. Once he starts talking about his plan to kill innocent people. And I was like, all right, she's bounced back. This is great. I liked that. Um, that she did that. And, and, in the bigger picture of things, I kind of feel like this was her finally fully able to operate outside of the Joker. Mm -hmm. Like 16 was all about her and Puddin and the Joker. And then birds of prey was, he was like kind of looming over her the whole movie and her getting over him. But this movie, like she finally, I feel like was able to put that behind her and kind of see some evil in another man that she's kind of screwing around with and be like, no, F that, like, I'm going to kill you. And she like took him out. uh, And all her reasoning for it was totally cool and understandable. Like, yeah, like F that guy, kill him. Um, So that was fun. And then, and then, you know, she gets captured and the scene with her hanging there, getting, getting shocked was weird and cool. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) um basically harley versus the soldiers once she finally frees herself was so good man i thought that was to me i know you talked about it it kind of threw you off a little bit because she's killing and it's supposed to be fun and there's all these bright colors but man i just love that scene because the way we've seen harley before um in the first suicide squad in birds of prey a little bit she's just like shooting guns and like she's just another person on the team with a big gun or a hammer or a bat but in this like she's just wrecking people and like in the comics and in the cartoon you think back to the cartoon harley can do stuff like she can fight she can fight batman yeah like she can fight a lot of people she's a formidable person and they they presented her in this as like a formidable like takes no shit will take people down in the biggest way possible yet so far for these movies and i was super here for it um i don't know i just like no, it was an awesome scene it was an awesome yeah. scene like the choreography was great the effects that they did all the colors the brightly lit it was it was a fun scene it was a, a big scene yeah like i said i don't know why i had whatever feelings i had um that's just a that's they're valid thing. yeah they're, they're valid there. feelings yeah they're there they exist and it's a thing but no it, like from a filmmaker standpoint from a you know i mean it was a gorgeous scene the way that they shot it the way it was choreographed it was a super cool scene still crazy to think that she could outmaneuver hundreds of or dozens of trained military people with guns but you know that's just superhero movies for you (laughs) you had to suspend your belief for a little bit and maybe that's just my overall problem. I don't know how to. So, um, but no, that was a great scene. And of course, granted, they gave it away on the trailer, which always sucks. But I do like that fact that that was all happening while they were trying to rescue her. And I just yeah. really do. It was funny when they, she kind of, they're getting ready to go in and they have this giant plan where they're all on lookouts and this whole big thing. And she just walks up, what you doing? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Uh... You guys were going to save me, you guys. I'll go back in if you want. Yeah, they gave me a they gave me a chuckle. 
yeah, that was funny. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. And then, like I said, it was nice to have them all in together. Um, yeah. Then they, then they just kind of get moving on with the mission and then they, they're figuring out what's going on in this Island with project Thinker. starfish. Yep. Project Starfish, they met the Thinker, which, I don't know, what did you think of the Thinker? Was he kind of unnecessary? Yes. He didn't really do much, except for kind of the let them... forward, in. yeah. Yeah, he, he let them into the the facility where Starro was being held, but besides that, I mean, played by Peter Capaldi, I know a lot of people are a fan of his, because he's like a, one of the Doctor Whos. Mm-hmm. I've never watched a Doctor Who, so that doesn't do anything for me. Uh, but I don't know. He just seemed like a kind of, you know, he was advertised in this movie too. He's on all the posters. I just, I don't know what his role really was in this movie. It, it wasn't, it was unnecessary. Okay. It was just something for them to do when they needed to catch him and kind of yeah. got him through that. Um, then you had, how did you feel about starro being like the big band that they were going after like because there there is there is like a jarring thing where you're like i know there are a lot of people out there right now who are going really the bad guy was a giant starfish like really especially mm-hmm. people who don't know who starro is because they never really said that name in general and uh how did you feel about that being the bad guy well, they did have the one scene, one part where it was like Star, uh, Suicide Squad versus Starro the Conqueror. They did, they and did. They, they said Starro a couple times, but yeah, he was referred to more as like was Project Project Starfish or something else. They they had some other name for him too. Um, I mean, people who read the comics know who Star Starro is. Oh, to yeah. the general audience, they might be thrown off a little bit. I think this was an interesting choice by James Gunn. He probably had a lot of different things, ways he could have went with like a big bad. Uh, But Starro is a valid character. And I guess this was his way of also making his monster movie. Like he made a monster movie and a superhero movie at the same time. Uh, So if that's what he wanted to do, I mean, he accomplished it. I thought Starro was fun. You know, he was big, big colorful and just like out of this world, uh, this movie's crazy already so let's just get crazier with it let's introduce a big giant starfish to be the villain um some of the stuff he could do like shooting those stars out of his armpit was kind of gross and like hitting people's face which totally reminded me of like some rick and morty episode from years ago or a couple seasons ago do you remember when like rick yeah. and morty was things on their faces i was like dan Harmon's probably pissed dude, dude that was he such a good episode yeah he might have copied that from the Starro comics or whatever. Somebody copied somebody. I don't know, but they were very similar. Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, yeah, but he kind of made zombies out of people with the stars on his face, on their faces. And, um, you know, he's been captured in this by the United States government has secretly had him here on this island to kind of like deny accountability for him for 30 years. So he's pissed. I understand why Starro's pissed. Um but it's a, this is another case of also, too, maybe the villain being too big for the team. Um, they made somebody quick worked, work of them. They did end up eventually making quick work of them because we eventually found out how powerful Rat Catcher 2 really is. Mm-hmm. She must, I mean, if you can control a million rats, I guess you can take down a monster. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Polka Dot Man kind of got his shine in there, too. Like, he he did some stuff, and then they did kill him. How did that death make you feel? 
were you sad Pokemon that man died I did I mean it just once again it to me it just was like oh you know it was you and I have this this running joke from our childhood when we were playing with GI Joes and we were playing with that and we were having everybody die and we're doing all this stuff. And then you had your, the one GI Joe go, I'm going to live through this whole thing. And then we promptly killed him because we thought that'd be funny. So it was the same joke we made as kids. So, I mean, it just, it was there, but yeah, I didn't yeah it was the same gag. It was the same gag uh, and uh, that we were doing when we were kids. So, I mean, it, it was predictable that that was where they were going when he started freaking out. I don't know how I feel about any of it anymore. The more we're talking about it, the more I'm like, man, I want to go watch this movie. Yeah, watch it again. So, I don't know. Polka Dot Man kind of had his weird arc throughout the whole movie. He was kind of like the quiet guy who would just make like death suicide jokes through the whole thing that he wanted to die. Um, I like that actor a lot. He's mo- mostly a character actor. Yeah. Um, he's been in The Dark Knight and uh, I think he was in Ant-Man and a couple other superhero movies too before this. Yeah. But uh the the running gag they kept doing where he was his mom that made thing. me laugh that, that made me laugh too like the, the actress first or the second yeah. time yeah. the first yeah. or the second time i was like that's funny but then once the third or fourth time they did it i was like all right we get it yeah. he, he's his mom sorrows his mom now i get it uh but but i still enjoyed that that still made me laugh i think even the third <laughs> and fourth just because that that woman that they had be his mom and her dressed up in all those different ways it just gave you so many sight gags all at one time it was overwhelming yeah but yes it, it did keep coming back it didn't need to keep coming back but i did enjoy it it gave him enough power to shoot his polka dots into starro and like fuck his leg up <laughs> yeah. really good yeah so i yeah. guess it i guess that was the point of it um yeah, because they didn't they show his mom's leg getting chewed up. Yeah, yeah. And he finally yeah. It seemed like he came full circle before he got squashed. Yeah, so I guess he got to be a hero before he got squashed. Um, yeah, but like you said, they kind of take out Starro pretty quickly uh, with a rat catcher doing her thing. And then Harley finally using the javelin, which had been her running joke through the whole thing. Like she didn't know what she had the javelin's javelin for the whole time. Javelin's <laughs> javelin. Javelin, uh, javelin but just like her putting it through his eye and floating around in there and all those rats getting in there to bite the thing that was like totally gross uh yeah just this is just a deep dive into james gunn's mind man he's twisted yeah <laughs> he's a and twisted man twisted man and the end and like i said and that's where i just am like is he trying too hard is he you know you know like i said i i have think like i said i think that's where i i step away from the what was presented and look at it and that's that's my fault for for doing that not being able to do that because yeah is he trying too hard just oh let me shock you with violence sometimes i don't like when things want to be oh we're going to be so gross because we want to shock you and you're just like okay i get it i understand the the thing i take away most from that just to like stay on that topic a little bit is I just appreciate that he's bringing different <clears throat> different ideas to the superhero genre, mm-hmm. more or less. You know, you might think they're, someone might think they're, you know, oh, that, that's like crossing a boundary. And I've never seen that in a superhero movie, but I think that's kind of like his point. Yeah. Like if he, if he just went and made, you know, another DC, you know, another Justice League movie, 
like Zack Snyder, if he just did like the Zack Snyder style and just like, well, this is the Suicide Squad. This is my, this is my superhero movie. It's kind of like the Justice League, just with a bunch of B characters. I hope you guys enjoy. I mean, we've seen that a bunch of times. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing different takes, like different takes on the genre, um, a little bit because like we've, we've talked about before, Marvel kind of follows a formula. Um, they're not going to do a movie like this. They might when Deadpool three comes out, however long down the road, but just like maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, when I read comic books, we watch these, we watch these movies that are based on comic books. So that means we like comic books. I know me and you like comic books. Um, I like Marvel and DC, but I also like these other books that show crazy shit that you can't see in Marvel and DC. Um, yeah, what's, what's that extreme or what's the Berserker? You know, Reeves one Berserker. That comic is fucked up, man. Yeah, I mean stuff like that. I like reading that stuff too. I like all of it. And this is a DC movie, but it's also just like a like we use the word risk kind of early on in our conversation. Yeah. Like I feel like he took a risk, and it's just interesting to see things happen in a comic book movie that you haven't really seen in a comic book movie before. Yeah. Um, you know, this would, this would never happen in a wonder woman movie. This would never happen in a captain America movie. The stuff you saw here. Right. Uh, so I just appreciate that, you know, and this is a movie you can keep, keep the kids out. They can't see it. This is for us, the adults. So, right. Um, yeah, I hear you. I, don't know. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. I hear you. No. And I, I, like I said, overall, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I, I did enjoy what this movie presented. I did enjoy the the characters that we were given. Um, like I said, a little jarring in the beginning with the characters. I enjoyed the, the peacemaker swap. I really didn't see that coming. Having having one of the the bad guys turn should have been obvious, but I really wasn't expecting it. And I really liked that he kind of overall became the big bad that wasn't a giant starfish. Well, then on that topic, what did the the Rick flag death. Did that hit you at all? Or, or it did. Was that kind of... It did. I wasn't expecting that like out of the desk. Cause that was the only one that wasn't done for humor. That was the only death that was done for like actual, you were supposed to feel something with that one. And I did, like I said, I liked, I liked that character. I thought that was a good character. I liked how he was portrayed and I was not expecting him. He was the only one I wasn't expecting to die, especially yeah, in that manner. Yeah. I'm with you on that. That's, that is the one I didn't expect to happen either. Like going even back to the beginning of the movie, I don't know why I'm not, I'm not lying now just because it did happen, but like, I kind of knew that captain boomerang was going to die early. Okay. Cause I feel like they casted him and all these other characters. Like, Hey, these are some people you knew. I knew one of them was going down and it just from the vibe of the trailers, like, and James Gunn saying no one is safe and don't get attached. Like, I was like, all right, he's killing one of these people we know. And I was like, he's the obvious choice. For some reason, I don't know why in my mind, I just knew, like, he was going to go down. Uh, but but Rick Flagg, definitely, I was like, oh, that one kind of hit me. Like, I did not think they were going to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so had had the feels with that one. I was just starting to like you, Rick. Yeah, yeah, that one, that was a good one. And I liked, I just liked the shift. I liked the Peacemaker shift. I really did enjoy that. I liked the when he just was like, I'm doing, you know, that was what he kept saying throughout the whole movie was, you know, I will do anything for peace. And he was 
kill whoever and do nothing would stop him from achieving peace. And he really proved he stood by that. He stood by his guns the whole movie that that was his justification for absolutely everything. And when he shifted, when they were trying to get that hard drive and he shifted from flag after he killed him and he looked right at Ratcatcher too. And he was like, let's go. And he was ready to kill her until Idris Elba conveniently fell 12 stories and landed right where he needed to, to do a <laughs> quick draw. So, you know, yeah, that line he even said when she was like, why do you have to kill me? He was like, because I'm thorough. I was like, Ooh, he's kind of a badass. Yeah. Right. He's a villain of this movie now. Yeah. And how, then how do we transition to a peacemaker show? Is he a hero or a villain? I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that's supposed to be because he died in this movie. So like and I'm curious and what I'm interested about with a peacemaker show is that idea of I was very genuinely curious of just peacemaker as a character. Like who is he? Whose bad guy is he? Where does he I mean, he's a vicious dude. So like where does he fit in in just comic books in general? So I got just gotta stop you one second. You said he died in this movie. Yeah. Did you watch the did you watch the end credits? I guess not. Okay. Maybe you need to <laughs> go okay. watch the end credits. Then uh, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. I tried fast forwarding <laughs> through it and it kept stalling out on me and the website crept or the app kept crashing and I was like, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. Um at that point I was just like, whatever, I'm tired. So yeah. Chris has more the Suicide Squad to watch, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Chris has more the Suicide Squad. I guess I gotta go watch it again. I didn't see any like articles about the post credits scene explained. Like I saw nothing. So well, now I know. So yeah, I guess <laughs> Peacemakers. Okay. Now I'm curious. So yeah. Well to be continued. Uh, we'll talk about that on the next episode. There we go. Uh yeah, I guess we will. Overall, <laughs> overall man um i thought this was a huge improvement over 16 like a crazy huge improvement i thought it was a fun roller coaster i felt engaged the whole whole time like it did have its few flaws i definitely do not think this movie was perfect by any means um and i talked about my dc rankings before it's not even my favorite yeah it's not even my favorite dc movie i I don't care wonder woman 84 oh my god no john loved it wonder woman 84 and suicide squad 16 are like at a coin flip for the worst um but yeah man i'm still a man of steel guy i don't know why i can't explain so why good. people a lot of people don't like that movie and i can't explain why maybe we'll talk more about man of steel one day if we want to do a rewatch but like to me that's still the cream of the crop dc movie um and i can't even fully be an expert on this list because there's still dc movies i haven't seen like i skipped aquaman and shazam and i know people like those movies maybe i'll get to them but uh i definitely think this movie was maybe top three to five dc you know i I put probably man of steel up there i really liked Zack snyder's justice league um i liked birds of prey a lot wonder woman the first one was pretty good this is kind of in there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's definitely not bad. It's not the best, but it's pretty good. I think is, it's pretty good. Is it crazy that from for there are two movies that you just said that you refuse to watch for the longest time? Birds of Prey, which you just would not watch, yeah. is now in your top five for DC movies. And mm-hmm. even Justice League, you waited until Zack Snyder's Justice League came out. 
And I, yeah. I know that that one's hard to tell, but I mean, you never watched Justice League until Snyder and you still haven't seen the Wheaton cut. So you don't even know what was originally given to us. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is weird. So, you know, that makes me think, should I watch Shazam or Aquaman, which I've been putting off? Um, I think you'd enjoy Shazam. Shazam was fun. Aquaman, it was fine. I mean, I, kind of in you the know, middle. Aquaman was entertaining. I enjoyed watching it more than I thought I would, but it was nothing special. The best part of that whole movie is that you get to watch an octopus play the bongos. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that, that right there, that wasn't the little mermaid or anything. No, they were playing. There was an octopus playing some bongos in Aquaman and crazy, not even care. You just watch these animals swim around and the visuals for it. James Wan knows how to put together some action scenes. So it's it's entertaining. I didn't. I don't. I still don't think I would put it. I still don't think I'd put it anywhere. Yeah. But I don't know. But yeah, su- the, the Suicide Squad definitely still ranks up there, regardless. Um, just because it was a more coherent movie, definitely more than 2016. It had a lot going for it. It uh, definitely struck out to do its own thing. And yeah, you're not not everyone's gonna like it. And there's even aspects of it I didn't even like. But the characters were well fleshed out. I thought they did a good job with making you care about the characters and the movie that was underneath was a good one. I, I didn't need all the frou-frou sometimes. And like I said, I sometimes don't need the, the gross, the grossness, the goriness that, you know, depending on with my superhero movies, I don't necessarily need it, but the movie that was underneath all of it was, was really good. Yeah, man. It had a lot of heart. So, and, um, it had a lot of heart underneath the gore. I guess that's probably the best way to explain it. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I like guess you get down it. in there; it's pretty gross. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We can agree on that. So, you have any final thoughts on the Suicide Squad? I'm sure it won't be the last time we talk about it, especially because now I have to go watch the credits again. But <laughs> any any final anything we didn't touch on? I think we hit pretty much everything, right? Yeah, we hit. We pretty much hit everything. I, I liked all the new characters. We didn't talk a lot about King Shark. He was just funny. He was kind of like the Groot of this movie, just R-rated, eating people. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. It's it's great that he was the voice. Um, yeah, I enjoyed watching King Shark run around with the fish in the aquarium, and then those fish then escaping and attacking him. So I was like, Oh no, the colorful fish! They're piranhas. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. But it was uh, cute watching him run around with the fish. Yeah, man, I'm I'm just glad this movie, I'm glad it exists. I think it's, regardless of box office numbers or anything, I think it's been reviewed well enough and people like it well enough that it's probably going to warrant a sequel or whatever else. And James Gunn has said he, you know, wanted he wants to do more with DC. I think he said he'd love to do a Harley Quinn solo movie maybe sometime in the future. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But um, I don't regret watching it it was it was i probably would have rather wanted to see this in the theaters than black widow my black widow slander but uh yeah post post looking at the two this probably would have been more fun in the theaters and i probably could have could have reversed my plans for these two and i probably would have had more fun in the theater with an audience for this one i think would have helped the movie where i don't think the the theater setting didn't necessarily or at least my experience in the theater wasn't necessary for black widow but i think i probably would have enjoyed this movie more if i did go to the show yeah dude i agree with that but just in general i had a lot of fun and yeah 
the Suicide Squad. Everybody, I mean, if you've listened to us this far, if you haven't turned us off yet, I'm sure you've seen it. But if you haven't, check it out. It's a fun time. And it's streaming on HBO Max. So what have you got to lose except for two hours? And you know you've watched worse things for two hours. We've all done it. We've (laughs) all done it. The Lord of the Rings trilogy exists, and that's like 24 hours or whatever the hell, how long it is. You do those extended cuts, yeah. And you throw the hobbits in there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too much. It's too, too much. much. Too much. But I think that's going to wrap it up for our talk about The Suicide Squad. I think we are going to attempt to be back next week with our Batman The Long Halloween Part 2 introspective. And I think we're going to try to read through the graphic novel and really kind of give a full thought on the adaptation as well as the original source material. So you do not want to miss that. And if you enjoyed our part one of The Long Halloween, make sure you go give a rent. It's now available to rent on digital Rent and buy for the long Halloween part two, which I'm really curious to see why this part is R rated. Ah, yes, we will find out. So excited to do that and talk, bring back some comic talk. I do love when we have the opportunity to talk about some actual good old fashioned comic books, but make sure you guys are hitting us up on Twitter at raise the geek and following us on email which didn't make quite sense. Follow on email. Follow us on email. Shoot us an email if you want to join the conversation at raisedageek at gmail.com. Check out our MySpace. Our MySpace page, our <laughs> Zanga page. <laughs> That's going way back. Nobody knows Zanga. Nobody knows Zanga. But now you do. Go look it up. But until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm done. And thanks for listening to the Raise the Geek podcast. Where we all speak geek.